This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy Log Cabin's real maple flavor on your pancakes. See how downright delicious it is on hot biscuits and on golden brown waffles. That's why folks buy more Log Cabin than all other maple blended syrups put together. So get Log Cabin syrup in the big family size bottle. Ah, maple syrup. The perfect addition to a stack of pancakes. Tapped from the good old maple tree, this sweet condiment is poured over millions of breakfasts every single day. Add to that the countless tasty treats and delicious recipes that use maple syrup, and its popularity becomes crystal clear. With popularity comes demand, and with every commodity comes a black market. Like moonshine during the dry days of prohibition, maple syrup is no different, and with a value over 10 times that of crude oil, the market has become highly regulated. So when a group of thieves decided to steal some sweet liquid gold from a storage warehouse in Quebec, Canada, they weren't about to stop at a couple of bottles or cases. Far from it. This would go down as one of the most lucrative, and perhaps most unusual, robberies in Canadian history. My name is Eric Crosby. Welcome to this episode of True. Canada is the world's largest supplier of maple syrup, with the majority of production taking place in the province of Quebec. Producers only have a short window every year to tap the maple trees, and yields vary from season to season. In an effort to stabilize the supply, distribution, and marketing of the sticky good stuff, in 1996, thousands of Quebec producers formed a collective called the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers. The FPAQ now represents more than three-quarters of the world's syrup supply. While they're generally perceived as helpful to the industry, because the Federation tightly controls prices, sets quotas, and imposes hefty fines on those who sell their product independently, the organization has been described as operating like a cartel. It's even been called the Maple Syrup Mafia with its tight grip over Quebec's roughly $500 million a year industry. Gradually, this heavy-fisted control has led to a booming underground syrup market. Every high-value product has a black market. The black market of maple syrup. So to ensure their supply during a bad year, the Federation created the International Strategic Reserve. This maple syrup stockpile would guarantee that no pancake was dry during those lean harvests. To store the massive amount of syrup required, the FPAQ rented several large warehouses located in small towns throughout Quebec. These warehouses were filled to the rafters with 56-gallon barrels of maple syrup, tens of thousands of them per warehouse, each one weighing over 600 pounds each one containing roughly $2,000 worth of syrup. At any given time, a warehouse could be holding $30 million of maple syrup. Security at these warehouses was minimal. 
They were often guarded with nothing more than a padlocked fence surrounding the property. The FPAQ had decided against the use of surveillance cameras or security guards. Why wouldn't they? Who would want to steal maple syrup? 43-year-old Avic Caron owned a warehouse two hours northeast of Montreal, Quebec, just off the Trans-Canada Highway. In 2011, the FPAQ went to him, desperate to find storage space for a large portion of their reserve, and he was more than happy to accommodate. Caron didn't know anything about the maple syrup industry, but from the moment the Federation delivered its first shipment of syrup-filled barrels, Caron, who had a long criminal past with alleged connections to the Mafia, started seeing bigger dollars than just from the rent he was charging. He knew an opportunity when it fell in his lap. By the time all the barrels were safely delivered and stacked, Caron had put his plan to steal the syrup in motion. For the whole thing to work, he would need help. He approached a transport driver named Sebastian Jutra, who in turn introduced him to 38-year-old Richard Valliere, a black market syrup broker who would be responsible for selling the product. Valliere was no stranger to the underground barrel running trade. Although he was never charged, he was the main suspect in a 2006 syrup robbery valued at over a million dollars. In June 2011, the group of would-be thieves met to devise their plan. An elegantly simple scheme developed that would involve stealing barrels of syrup, transporting the loot far enough away where they could siphon off the sweet liquid, fill the empty barrels with water, and return them to the reserve before anyone was the wiser. They would then sell the stolen merchandise to legitimate distributors. Within a few months of the Federation's syrup being delivered to the warehouse, the criminal operation began. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. No one seemed to notice when a transport truck started showing up at the warehouse at odd hours of the night. At first, it was a truck or two every now and then. They were loaded up with the plain white barrels of FPAQ syrup and driven to several drop-off locations where the switch would take place. Over the next year, lots of transport trucks were coming and going from the warehouse. The increased activity might have seemed a bit unusual, but the site was storing maple syrup. Maple syrup. The majority of the black market syrup headed east to the province of New Brunswick and south of the border to Vermont. From there, it was moved to numerous distributors around the world. As more and more barrels were stolen, the criminal organization grew. They hired truckers and warehouse workers, and while most didn't ask any questions, those who did were either paid off or threatened to keep quiet. The ambitious plan was being executed perfectly. With Richard Valliere's connections to buyers, 
the group was able to sell a staggering amount of the valuable product. The reserve warehouse was mainly ignored by the FPAQ throughout the year. The only thing the criminals needed to concern themselves with was the Federation's annual inventory audit. They knew it was coming, and they were confident they had everything covered. They had replaced the water-filled barrels to their original spots, made sure all the appropriate labels were on each one, and they even dimmed the lights in an effort to hide any scuff marks or dents left by their forklifts. The annual audit was simply an interruption in their otherwise smooth operation. But with so many barrels shuffled around for so many months, the thieves were a bit concerned that just maybe they could miss something. With the warehouse inventory around 16,000 barrels, it was impossible to be completely sure. Some of the gang started to show their nervousness. Text messages recovered from burner phones revealed their growing anxiety. Days before the expected audit, quote, We have a problem. It's urgent. Are you there? A guy from the Federation saw the truck. More texts. The middle row. We weren't able to put them back exactly in the same place. Calm down, please, read another text. I am calm said the reply. Not to be outdone by the weird fact that they were stealing maple syrup, the gang reportedly registered their burner phones as characters from the Star Wars movies. At the end of July 2012, almost a year since the heist started, an accountant for the FPAQ arrived to perform the annual inventory check. The stacks can be six barrels high, and as part of the check, the auditor began the routine climb. With the heavy weight of each syrup-filled barrel, climbing them should have been uneventful. Expecting the full support of a 600-pound barrel, he grabbed the top one and started to pull himself up. It was then that the completely empty container started to topple. A bit shaken, the accountant brushed it off as a stocking mistake. Somehow, an empty barrel must have made it onto the shelves, and he continued his work. But he found another empty barrel. And then more. And more. This was not a simple stocking error. Over the next several weeks, they discovered even more barrels, filled with water. This sparked an intense three-month investigation where authorities would uncover the true extent of the robbery. Millions of dollars worth of maple syrup has been siphoned off from storage in Quebec, with the crime covered up to avoid detection. The warehouse held more than $30 million worth of syrup, enough to fill one and a half Olympic-sized swimming pools. Story in the New York Times this morning about a theft of maple syrup. How do you steal syrup? It, it seems like On a trucks, inside job, maple Why syrup in that? Quebec is a huge, it's a huge commodity uh, business, and they've been stealing it over time. They've been literally siphoning off you always syrup. Pick, it's a crazy you always, There is early speculation that the maple syrup may have already left the province and, and headed off to the US or Europe, potentially. Um, but police are still tracking this. The victim was a Canadian maple syrup cartel. This is a great story. Sticky problem for the Canadian mounted police. 
Investigators determined that over a 10-month period, the thieves managed to steal almost 10,000 barrels of syrup. $18 million worth of maple syrup was stolen. In $18 million theft, victim. $18 million worth of maple syrup. $18 million. The heist amounted to almost 60% of the warehouse's stockpile and almost 13% of the entire International Reserve. So you talk about how big a heist mm -hmm. this was. Could this affect maple syrup supplies? It's a good question because uh, Quebec maple producers are actually the main producers of maple syrup both in Canada and really the world. When investigators began looking closely at the tampered barrels, they noticed dents and scrapes left by a forklift that obviously wasn't Federation approved. The FPAQ uses specialized forklifts that gently move barrels without leaving any marks. Investigators canvassed local businesses that rent forklifts and found the first link in the criminal chain, Sebastian Jutra. Records showed that the transport truck driver had used his real name when renting the forklift. More damning evidence would follow. When authorities found one of the warehouses used to transfer the stolen syrup, it was over. Investigators found barrels with Richard Valliere's name on them, right alongside Federation barrels. Investigators also collected and analyzed fingerprints and seized equipment that they could trace back to the criminals. Like a stack of pancakes, the facts piled up quickly and they all pointed to the gang. It wasn't looking good for the maple syrup outlaws, and they knew it. The question is, did they get lazy with their success, or were they simply not criminal masterminds? They just happened to fall into a brilliant opportunity. Quebec police have been busy this week making arrests in a theft that has made international headlines because the crime was so unique. With four arrests today, they've now made 22 arrests in total, with three suspects still on the loose. As the investigation wrapped up, authorities had interviewed over 200 witnesses, executed 40 search warrants, and ultimately charged 26 people with various fraud, theft, and trafficking offenses. The leaders of the group, Caron and Valliere, were found guilty. In April 2017, Caron received a prison sentence of five years. Valliere received a sentence of eight years, and was also fined over $9 million to be paid over 10 years. If he hasn't paid the fine by then, 2027, he risks staying in prison. The other participants in the crime, depending on their cooperation with the investigation, were given reduced sentences, community service, or had the charges dropped. Because the maple syrup wasn't poured onto the market quickly, authorities were able to recover most of what was stolen. However, a good amount of the stolen sticky stuff did make it onto store shelves around the world. It's entirely possible that the next time you drizzle maple syrup on your pancakes, it came by way of the greatest maple syrup robbery in history.
Jemima pancakes without her syrup is like the spring without the fall. There's only one thing worse in this universe. That's no Aunt Jemima's at all. Aunt Jemima's without Aunt Jemima syrup? That's True is a production of Imperative Entertainment. This episode of True was researched and written by me. The executive producer is Jason Hoke of Imperative Entertainment. Cover art and design was created by Jenna Sullivan. True was created and is produced by me. Comments? Questions? Get a hold of us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.